Awesome. I, uh, what I would love for our panels to share briefly is just a bit of just from their own background in two minutes so that we can dive into the questions. This was not part of the brief we gave you. I had warned you that there'll be curveballs here and there. So <laughs> but just from, from your personal experience, kind of uh, reiterating your background uh, in your portfolio, some of the learnings that you've seen just before we dive into, um, into our discussion for this morning. No, I just wanted to say that the Lord is good, right? So I've been at His people now, every nation from '97, um, and uh, I, I grew up in in a rural town of 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 Polokwane. There's a village there called Chebeng, um, and I'd come to to Vitz University um, without any sponsorship actually. And my wa my mother, my mother was was paying for most of that. Um, I received the word um, while I was in Bible school with much counsel, right, including Rob Gerard and team, um, that uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be in commerce and contributing there. And what I wanted to say is the Lord had since then never forgotten what he had promised um, because I hearken back and remember how he actually provided for my sponsorship for both tuition and fees. To this day, uh, now in corporate SA, I'm having conversations with top leaders, and I go back to where I come from and the pe people who were around then, personalities who were around then, still around in my life and continue to contribute. And in it, I wanted to say that the Lord, um, his work is really long-term. And, and he's carving out of a career and a human being in that way. It's not short-term in, in focus. Um, and I look forward to much more what he will do. But the Lord has been good since then. This was now 97, almost, almost two decades now. So God has been good. Yep. That's awesome, Lisiba. I know Lisiba for many years as well. He's been a good friend of my husband's and as a result, mine. <laughs> so I feel right at home. Um, mine has been a colorful journey. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been conventional at all and filled with many surprises, but pleasant nonetheless. Um, and I think when I reflect on my journey, it's, it's really been just I've seen the hand of God at each turn you know um, sometimes you have this amazing grand plan and you're like this is it Lord you know and then he comes and he's like that's great this is my plan you know <laughs> and I think for me it's really just been about yielding and leaning on him at every turn and saying you know what you've got this and I'm gonna yield to you so yeah, he's been faithful, like Lisa said, to provide at each stage. And I'm so grateful that he's in control and not me. Amen. Good morning, church. A lot of you know me. Um, I've also been with the church since, I think, 95. You're making me scratch my brain as well uh, <laughs> with every nation. And, uh, you know, likewise, when I started working, I kind of just had a little bit of a step in front of me. You know, I got my degree. I wanted to do a little bit of marketing and kind of you know, embed that uh, that experience, and I didn't really have the hopes and dreams to be running a company and traveling around the world. Um, and I certainly didn't expect to be with one company 20 years. Uh, but God's made it interesting, and along the way, I've had uh, 13 different jobs. And, uh, and, and, and God has continued to keep it interesting. And I think what was interesting for me was when we moved overseas, the first thing we did when we first moved was we found our church. Yeah. Yeah. And we got it embedded in the right church, 
and everything else worked around that. Yeah. The work wasn't always great. <laughs> We've all had our challenges, but I found our family. And when we moved to Ukraine, the first weekend, what do we do? We went and looked for our church. Yeah, and when we came back here, what is the first thing we do? We came and we, we found our church. Yeah. And I think wherever you go in life, wherever God has taken us, he's always embedded us in a spiritual family first. Yeah. And I think that's created a foundation yeah. that's helped us to, to thrive and succeed in other areas of our lives. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, guys. The first question that I would love for us to get into are just some of your learnings. And the question would go, what are the two reasons you would attribute your career uh, success so far to? Just two things. Two things that you think have brought you to where you are now. If you were to say to someone who's aspiring perhaps to get to the step or rather the level where you guys are at, what are the two things that you would love for them to know? Right, so first of all is having a purpose um, and not separating your, your being in God and your career in a workplace. Um, so let me elaborate on those two. So with the second one, God speaks, and I was reading in, in Job. Remember Job was going through a tough time. And he was reasoning with the Lord. And when you, when you listen, when you read it, you find like he might have points, right? Until a young man came, Elihu, and said, wait, wait, wait. Let me explain to you what is important here. And in there, Elihu says, the Lord speaks to you when you sleep, when you wake. Yeah. Uh, he is not shy of giving instruction. Yeah. Um, and in there, it's also about career. For me, it was very specific. Uh, having received a purpose, in fact, I was just going around in my life and I found that just latching on to what God has said about what will become to me removed the dilemma or the distinction, the separation between work uh, and that of, of being in a career because that purpose became very clear. When one does long hours, when one explains a matter, it's not just because you're doing it as a job but as a career, um, as serving the Lord, um, and I found that one needs those two, right? First, you need a purpose, and secondly, to, to be devoid of that separation between that of a church and that of a, of a career or a workplace. Yeah? Thank you. I like that. Um, and just to add on to what Lizzie was said, for me personally, it's been about, you know, just the courage to accept God's plan. Because like I said earlier, you know, I was a varsity, high-performing law student, and I had this dream, quite honestly. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to graduate, and I'm going to be a top woman, you know, whatnot, <laughs> director, partner, whatever, in five years' time. You know, you have these plans and whatnot. And exactly, you know? <laughs> so, and then graduated, got into this amazing, prestigious firm, and um, I had studied at University of Limpopo. And I mean, in this particular firm, they only took graduates from BITS and UCT. But you know, when favor knows your name, you know, God will open the door. <laughs> and I was in there and uh, I got there in that first year, God spoke very specifically to me that, okay, this is what you thought you wanted, but I've got other plans for you. So finish, you know, your, your training, your articles, do what you can, grasp what you can, but I've got a different plan for you. So yours is not to aspire to become you know, a director here or in any other firm for, uh, for that matter, like a, an ex established firm. 
So I mean, I think it was a dilemma because I came with this dream and ambition and vision that you know what, in five years, this is what we are about, Lord. And I mean, I think it was just a season of such breaking and such reconciliation with the purpose of God for my life. And I think it takes a lot of courage. You know, sometimes it's easier to just do what everybody else is doing. But when you realize you're a <laughs> square outside a circle, you just don't fit the mold. It takes courage to acknowledge it, to take a step back, and to really partner with God and trust Him. So for me, I would say courage to say, Lord, this is what you're saying, and I'm going to latch onto it like Lisiva was saying. Um, and to, to do what He says you must. You know, because it is easier to conform and to feel like, oh, my God, I haven't seen it done before. Um, but, yeah, to trust him. So that's the first thing, courage to accept his plan and to know that he knows each one of your days. And he's got the final authority over your destiny and your purpose. You know, the fact that you don't fit the mold and get to that top firm like everybody else may or does does not make you any less. You know, his hand and purpose is final authority. That's the first thing. Secondly, I think I would attribute success or personally for me, my experience has been dreaming with God, you know, because I think often we find ourselves in contexts where there are barriers and confines and there are standards with which you must comply. You know, this is how you're successful in this company, therefore. And then we kind of try and adjust to fit that, you know, circumstance or situation. But I found God invite me to just dream beyond what others think is possible. You know, just the faith to say, I may be like young and whatnot, but I actually want to serve on a board, Lord. How does that work? <laughs> what are your thoughts about that? You know, I'm 25, but I want to serve on a board. I have something to add. You have given me wisdom. And just casting the vision, casting the dream that's on your heart. And I think for each one, it looks different. For me, I really did. It sounds like, fairly young and it didn't look rational to my peers at least and I was like I actually want to serve on a board in, in a year's time what is you know what would it take Lord and I put it on a dream board I don't know how you dream but I'd say dream with God trust yeah. him for more than what your circumstance says you can do um, and really just explode go wild you know let him be the one to say okay wait it's gonna take the years or whatever <laughs> but I think just unleashing the child in you, that childlike faith the Bible speaks about and saying, you know what, this is what the box says, but I actually want much, much more than that and, and, and partnering with him and seeing what he would do with that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a topic where there's, there's many different aspects. I think it's interesting we've all picked something slightly different. Or the, you know, when I thought of what two things I think have attributed to my success, I, I used two words. One was grit. <laughs> And the other one was wisdom. Yeah. And they actually both found in James 1. And you know, for a very long time, and I still do this, but almost every day I woke up and I looked at James 1 verse, uh, verse 5, and it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, yeah. you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, yeah. and it will be given to you. Yes. You know, just before that, it talks about perseverance. Yeah. And let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete yeah. and lacking nothing. And I think this, those two things which came to my mind was one was grit. Okay, I look at other people who started with me at the same time. Many of them dropped out because oh, this is too hard or this can't be the right place. I had a tough day. My boss sucks. You know, I mean, you know what? We all have bad bosses, you know. And you know what? I've learned a lot from some of those bad bosses. Um, you know, so sometimes it's a bit about grit and having the perseverance to get through it and think, why am I really doing this? 
Am I doing it just for the accolades at work, or am I doing this because God's called me here? And the second aspect is wisdom. Asking God for His wisdom. I mean, wow, we need that every way in which we operate, the choices we make, the, the jobs we're going to fight for, the jobs we're going to let go, the relationships, the counseling, the leadership that, that we need to take on in the workplace. We just need God's wisdom. And you know what? He just asked for it. It's there for all of us. Awesome. Thank you. There are different versions of what hard work looks like. Uh, for some people, it's long hours. For others, it's innovating and working smarter, as some people would say, working from the beach somewhere in Durban and creating an app and making millions. Others, it's working from six to nine at night. What is your version of hard work? For people who are working hard in their own version, uh, in their own ways, what is, what is your advice in terms of them perhaps the disciplines that you have had in your own life with regards to hard work. What does that look like for you in your industries? And I know that as you share from your experiences, people will just glean here and there in terms of how that applies to their own lives. How have you used hard work in your own version of it uh, to propel you perhaps to get to a place where you are? So sometimes I talk about the ABCDs of success, you know, and uh, one of them for me, these is about discipline, but also the B is about balance, okay? And I think that ultimately, God didn't call me just to work. He called me to be a husband and a father, and he's called me to be so many other things. Um, and so, but I can't always keep those scales exactly balanced, you know? Um, and there's times where you're going to have to work through the night, you're going to have to work weekends, but then I also... I almost try to keep a scale in my mind to say, now I need to make sure that I take some time off, spend some time with my family, you know, that I've got time with my wife, I've got time with my kids, you know, am I making sure that I'm, I'm doing the, the, you know, the, the things that God's called me to in the church? So it's, it's an ongoing sort of evaluation and a self-evaluation um, about saying, okay, now's the time I really need to do this or that. Um, and whether it was my first year in business or my current year, you know, I still have pressures uh, when I have to, take people through Africa or the president of the company wants to come and sure those three weeks building up to that are, are intense but I also then schedule time after that to go away with my family or to, to find a way to to kind of you know rebalance my life so it's not a perfect solution uh, it always is a little bit messy but I think it's about knowing where your true north is and not losing sight of the fact that God has called us to be complex beings and to find balance across a multitude of things and not just prioritize work all the time. Yeah, I'd agree <laughs> with that um, and that it looks different in different seasons. I mean, I'm in a season now where I'm leading a business with my husband, so I see him during the day, but he's my business partner during the day and we have to make time to be husband and wife. Um, and we've got young kids, we've got a four and a five year old. Um, and so that means there are multiple sort of things to, to manage in the season. And because of the season our children are in, all the much more. And so, I mean, I'd agree, you know, with the fact that it looks different in different seasons. And I think accountability for me has helped to find that balance. Um <coughs> you know, so just walking with others who are in a similar life season and checking in and saying, hey, how's it going in this area? Because I think it is, depending on how you're wired, some people are far more like, they dive right in and then they're pulled into the work and whatnot. I personally 
don't have that dilemma, <laughs> to be honest. I'm quite easily able to disconnect and switch off um, and be, you know, home with my girls and with my husband and whatnot. But there are times where, you know what, there are things that are just, they just need to be done on the work front. And sometimes it means getting home a little bit earlier, spending time with the girls, making dinner, you know, and saying, love, can we move our date night to Thursday so that I can, you know, manage this dilemma. Um, and working after hours when the kids are sleeping, but really just daily, you know, like you were saying, I love your point on wisdom. Every day, just Lord, can you give me the wisdom to navigate this, you know, in order to strike the balance? Because I don't think there's a hard and fast answer or rule around it, but just am I in tune with what God is saying right now? And have I aligned expectations with my husband, with the team, with the girls and all of that? So I think for me, it's, it's literally fluid every day, um, depending on what season we're in. Yeah. Can I just follow up with you, Lerato? As yeah. a lady uh, pursuing the assignment of God on your life, going after the things that you've described you're going after, we've got many ladies here in our church who are also working, and from some stories that we've heard before, a guilt that perhaps you're not having enough time with mm -hmm. your children mm -hmm. and maybe not spending enough time at home mm -hmm. and not being um, a wife mm -hmm. or a mother enough. Mm -hmm. How do you deal, not necessarily other people's perceptions of you mm -hmm. but when you're a challenge with mm -hmm. such challenges in your own soul mm -hmm. how do you deal with that <laughs> wasn't ready for that one <laughs> i'll share like a very real recent example um i was given the opportunity to, to go to the u.s for three weeks uh, this year and for those that know me, um, I haven't really separated from our girls like for longer than a weekend. So that's been like our little thing. And, and three weeks was a tall ask. I was like, oh my God, how are we gonna do this, Jesus? <laughs> you know, <laughs> This opportunity is one of those Kairos moments. It's, it's a moment in time and I felt God saying, you must go. You must trust me with your children. You must trust me with your husband. Trust me with the business. And you know, I think for me, I experienced a significant breakthrough in that moment, in that, you know, in that time. Just processing the decision, one, helped me realize that actually I had some deception that I am in control of my children's lives. <laughs> you know, God will look after them whether I'm there or not, you know, and just really trusting that, you know what, God, you've got them. And that's given me peace even when I'm at work, um, even when I have to travel, or whatever the case may be. Obviously, you know, there's a sense in which balance is required, whatever balance means. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, for me, I had the support. Uh, for me, the, 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 the support of my husband is a huge thing. So when we're united, there's a blessing on that. Um, and, and then navigating the logistics, obviously. So for, for, for me, it's about making sure you've done what you can to make provision for your children and your family whilst you're away or whilst there's pressure and doing the practical things like preparing meals or whatever the case may be for you. And then trusting God with the rest of the detail that you actually have no control over, you know? So yeah, I mean, I remember coming back from the US on the very last evening, I got a call from South Africa and Champ had banged his head with the boot. And I was like, you see, Lord, <laughs> what are you doing? I need to get on the next flight, you know? Um, but I couldn't, there were no flights. And God was like, remember, I will look after them. So, yeah. Very good, I mean, this, this is really a lot of nuggets that have come out and I'll latch on one or two, which is about accountability, yeah. right? Um, I'm reminded when I, you know, when we were at Vits, I had a good friend of mine, Kamunyu. Um, um, we used to read the books of Job, Ecclesiastes, 
all these <laughs> wisdom books continuously. Now that we're talking about James, right? Um, and talking about hard work, this really became important because I never used to understand the book of Ecclesiastes until I get to to, to share with someone and talk to them. And we, we, we found this and we, we stayed on it. In Ecclesiastes 2.24, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find employment? And that to me was quite telling in that to hard work is about finding satisfaction in what you do. And it really is a gift of God. Yeah. So everything begins in the Lord and it also ends in the Lord. So, so what energizes me is this, finding joy, finding, um, finding the Lord as you, sp as, you, as you read things. I used to be an economist before moving on and doing other things. Uh, but reading about economies and what happens uh, in different nations, but also using the lens of the Lord has been quite instructive for me. So I had spent time in Boston last year and thinking about how many strong leaders, many people who, who have gone and changed the world arrived in the similar room that I was stay, staying in. Uh, and in there seeing that, wow, I mean, this really, God can talk to you in this fashion. Uh, he can make you contribute in a particular way from a place where it's from Him. It's about enjoyment in His toil and who can actually enjoy life without Drinking, it says, but drinking uh, water. Uh, <laughs> and, and to who have issues, like Paul has given wisdom and counsel on, to some degree, wine, but um, <laughs> it's all about f food, drinking, but finding joy in what God has given you. Come on, I love that. And Chris, you talked earlier on about um, bad bosses and, and so forth and so on. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what the definition of a bad boss is. Um, so. <laughs> call Pastor Andrew back so that you can beat that. No, what I meant was <laughs> the definition is relative, all right? Uh, one bad boss for another person might be a good boss for me or for another person. And so. Uh, we all define things perhaps uh, in relation to how we relate to that person. So we confronted almost constantly with this desire to engage either our superiors in terms of things that we are dissatisfied with or the way they speak to us or treat us or our work. But I want to balance this question that we answer it either way. So how do you effectively communicate to your superior at work that you don't agree with? And how do you also communicate effectively to, I don't know if a subordinate is the right word to use, but perhaps people under you, people that are working under you. How do you effectively communicate uh, to people? All right, not in a fighting way, but effectively. I'll start with you, Lera, to look like oh you're wow. ready. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um I was thinking about this, um, and I realized that, you know, it's, it's been a privilege to be both a subordinate and, and now leading a team of people. And I was thinking about what, it, for me personally, what, what it means. And 
it's always tough, right, to, to give feedback or critique um, or, or have a different view. But I think it's okay to have a different view. Um, I think for me, what underpins the approach is honor. And if you were in your boss's shoes, how would you like to be approached? You know, if there's an issue in your environment and everybody's latching on it and there's this tra trajectory about Lisiba being a bad boss, are you gonna latch on as well? I'm, s I'm speaking about you who is the salt and the light. Yeah. Who are you in your work environment and what are you releasing? So I think put yourself in the other person's shoes. The Bible has a, a strategy around, you know, where there's conflict and all of that, you know. Pull the person aside and have a conversation. I do recognize that some environments are more complex than others and when you do raise it, you'll be sidelined and all of that stuff. That's where the wisdom comes in. That's where God give me a strategy comes in. Um, but there are some situations that are black and white and they require that you have the courage to say, Mr. Sir, we have a relationship. It's a working relationship. We spend 80% of our time together. So I can't withhold giving you the feedback. And you would expect to receive the feedback as well. So go to your boss, have the conversation. If your boss is interesting, maybe there's someone else within the team that has the authority to be able to relay your message, whatever the case may be. But the point is, let's communicate what is needs to be communicated. On our way to church this morning, we're listening to a short clip by my uncle, T.D. Jakes. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> And he was speaking about this very um, point that, you know what, it's okay to have a different opinion. Yeah. It's how you present it. It's the heart behind it, it's the motive. Yeah. So as a team, I expect people to come to me, I have an open door policy, and it's literally open. But you have the choice to come or not. So I appreciate it when people bring their ideas or concerns or issues, and we can talk through it and we can work, thr work through it or pray through it, whatever the case may be. So that, that would be my, my advice on, on you know, dealing with difficult things. I remember quite a distinct moment in my career. I was very junior, first year artic articles and training, and we had a very toxic environment, toxic team, it was a mess. And I'm like, we're junior, we're like, guys, we've just graduated, you know? Why is it like this? And I remember God saying to me, you don't have to say anything to anyone right now. You just need to pray, girl. So sometimes God will give you a very specific strategy around how to manage things. Sometimes he'll say, be still and do the war behind the scenes. Like, get on your knees, get on a fast, pray. And I remember doing that. I remember going into the office on a weekend and literally praying through that environment and declaring God's word, declaring, de hey man, six months later, the team was literally fell apart. People moved on. The, like, the one boss took a whole team away, and I was just like, yo, Lord, the prayers of a righteous man avail much, you know? So it's leaning into what God is saying about that particular situation, but honor the people around you. Don't gossip. Don't latch on to gossip, you know? I, I don't want to be found in a place where I can't confront Lisiba directly, but I'm busy talking to about Lisiba with you the whole day, and we're not yeah. fixing the problem, you know? So we're there to enhance, to add value, to release the love and the peace of God in our work environment. These are really good, good points. Um, I'll just put two sentences or, or, or a little bit more to say. It, it's all about saying, being, being authentic, right? Ma make your yes, be your yes. 
and let your no be your no. If you're speaking to your senior, you gotta be authentic. Say, this is how I feel, this is my opinion in a respectful manner. And also when receiving feedback or engaging those that are lower to where you sit, um, similarly, your yes must be your yes and your no must be your no. It's always, it's always an enticement to be politicized in a corporate environment. Yeah playing to the wind etc and i found that uh, they don't yield fruit right you don't get far when you're like that but it's those that are, are authentic in how they do things in other words those that display the christian characteristics um, that actually stand the, st the test of time i've seen many iterations of a uh, change where one could actually be swayed into political angles to be with that person because seemingly they're doing well or that other corner. But I found when I sit in the center, yes, it does cannot impact you, right? Because you'll sit in the middle and go, ooh, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> People will say, well, we don't know where you're at. Are you left? Are you right? But uh, don't be politicized. Let your yes be yes and your no be your no. Sorry, before I pass the mic, I wanted to add one last thing that also make sure that your work is up to date. So don't like come and raise things, but you're slacking. Like get, make sure that you're performing and you're, then you will be like, there'll be an authority about the things that you say. All right, I'll be very quick then. I think, um, you know, recently I had a difficult situation with my boss because he, you know, it's funny enough, bosses tend to be A-type personalities, I don't even notice. <laughs> uh, and I knew that we were going to have a conference call the following week. And, you know, I had to pray through it. And again, I believe you should pray for strategy. Yeah. You know, strategy in your workplace. Yeah. Lord, help me, give me the right guidance. And I ended up having the conversation with the right person, quoted this in the, in the, uh, in the meeting, and managed to persuade my boss to go a different direction. He wanted to go east and I wanted to go west. But, you know, it took prayer and it took the right conversations. Yeah. And so it takes that prayer and then actually going out and actively looking for it. You know, there's times where we've got to be on our knees and there's times we've got to be running out and looking for, looking for the answers as well. Lerato, you talked about, and anyone can answer this first, but you talked about how we spend more time at work than perhaps we spend elsewhere. And uh, obviously we build relationally, we get closer and so forth and so on. There's this idea, especially for those that are married and those that are aspiring to getting married someday, the idea of having a work spouse or getting too close to your colleagues at work and some of the boundaries that are needed in the workplace to be able to, uh, yes, still maintain healthy relationships, but at the same time having healthy boundaries. Um, first of all, how do you... <laughs> What do you say about this idea of a work spouse? Um, all right. Um, but also, how, how do you advise people, how, perhaps in your own life, personally, how have you maintained healthy relationships and the balance of that with healthy, uh, healthy boundaries? I beg your pardon. Nobody wants to answer this one. <laughs> you know, um, I think about, first of all, the concept of a work spouse I feel very strongly against. Okay, my wife, I stood before God in front of all my friends and I made a vow to love and cherish this woman. It's a very special relationship we have and that title is a very special title. To throw it around is not acceptable, yeah. you know, to anywhere else. So that's my first belief. 
Secondly, I think as a Christian, the Bible teaches us that we should be beyond reproach. Okay? So that means that anybody can come in and assess the situation. They can say, that relationship looks healthy, or that relationship does not look healthy. Okay? Recently, I watched a video. I don't know where it was in India or Pakistan or somewhere, but there was like a mountainside, and there were these buses that were like on the edge of the mountainside. Has anybody seen this ridiculous thing on the internet? And these buses are like literally, like they're right on the edge. And I mean, just a few centimeters, that whole bus will fall two, three hundred meters off the edge of the mountainside. And I thought to myself, you know what? One day a bus will fall off there. I would never get on that bus. Okay? And it's the same thing with certain relationships. You know, if this is the line over here, you don't walk on that line. Because you know what? One day you're going to feel weak. One day there's going to be something, there's some weakness in you. And guess what? You're going to fall off that cliff. So as Christians, our role is to say, there's the line, and I'm going to walk here. All right? So that my walk is beyond reproach. My relationship with whoever it is in the office is beyond reproach. That I've put guardrails in place. That I'm not in private with somebody of the opposite sex. That I'm, that I'm honoring my spouse. I'm, I'm looking at this from an outside perspective, saying that person is doing the right thing. Yes, you can get close to people, but there's guardrails that you've got to put in place, whether there's intentions or not. You've got to put the right guardrails in your place and live accordingly. No, 100% agree. Um, for, for, for my end is, one is to remain authentic. So uh, being in a corporate, uh, at a workspace, it's very easy to hide away of what you truly are. In other words, I'm a Christian. I've got principles. I actually pray. Um, it's easy to shy away and live in your own cocoon and in a way live a double life, right? Where you're in a workplace, you, you're this mild individual and you come to church and then you become this fired person for the Lord, right? <laughs> that duality, I think it's a risk, okay? The duality is a risk because the minute you're authentic and everybody knows where you stand, um, then, then there are clear boundaries set, Right? People will understand that this guy is a Christian, he's married, he's not going to entertain any other conversation outside the boundaries of what he is. So we must remain authentic and not be dual in our response between work and church. It's a good question and, and a very important one. Um, so how... You know, the scripture comes to mind that, you know, for me, that don't let anyone despise you because you're young, but be an example for other believers um, in speech and conduct and purity and all of that. And it speaks to your point about always being above reproach and, you know, what is the perception of this? And I was so touched the other day, I walked into the office, there's some people who work flexi hours from nine until six or whatever. And there's a young man and a young lady um, who work those hours. So this is the two of them from five to six. Everybody else is gone. And the gentleman literally walks out of the office where they sit together and goes to the boardroom. So I'm like, what's going on? He's like, hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> boundaries, girl, you know. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is awesome. Um, but for me personally, how I deal with it, I often find myself in environments with just men or whatever the case may be is very clear boundary. In often cases, people just know my husband because we, we work together anyway. So there's generally that respect. Um, but practical ways, 
are the guardrails that you know you mentioned that we would temp if he's driving with a lady in the car it's a long distance trip or we're going to a meeting it's a short trip he let me know hi love i'm in a car with another woman yeah. <laughs> you know it sounds silly but we really need to just be alert you know uh, and conscious that we are not immune to temptation um, but yeah, I think it's the consciousness and the awareness that, you know, how I conduct myself as a young woman, you know, I shouldn't be leading people on, how I dress modestly and all of that, um, and really just being respectable even in how I present myself dress code-wise is a big thing. Um, yeah, so that's what I'd say, but I mean, definitely agree with the points around guardrails and just having your own personal boundaries around you know, even long phone calls, after hours, whatnot, listen, I got family and we can chat in the morning or please email or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. Thank you. I know I've got two more questions and we're going to close in a moment. I just want to do a follow-up question. I know the boundaries we've described, very external, some of them internal, but I'd love to focus a little bit more on internal boundaries yeah. uh, where you don't have to be sitting in the same office with someone. But yeah, yeah. Chris, I'll start with you. Um, we chat and connect quite regularly. Um, you travel quite regularly across Africa, obviously, without, without <coughs> your wife. In terms of internal boundaries, how do you stay and keep those internal boundaries? What are some of the disciplines that you have or things that you tell yourself? Uh, obviously, to stay faithful to your wife, to remain true to your work, and to make sure that those boundaries are kept. O obviously, that, that question applies to all of us. More internal boundaries rather than external boundaries, since we've already done uh, external boundaries. Keep yourself busy. Idle <laughs> 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 uh, hands are no good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for me, when I travel, it's, it's never been an issue. I mean, I've traveled probably the last six, seven years of my life. I'm always traveling every second week somewhere. Um, but I think. We're very disciplined in terms of an agenda, when we're going to arrive, what we're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, we can't, not gonna, we're not going to sit you with a, a, a list of rules. But rules help, okay? Guardrails help you in your life. And, you know, when you travel and when you, people stumble at night, okay? So don't find yourself hanging around the bar at night. It's just not wise, okay? Uh, and, and I think... The reality is that we have to be aware of what temptations are out there, what, what, where our weaknesses are, or anybody's weaknesses, not necessarily a personal weakness. Okay, sometimes we say, oh, I'm strong here. Be careful, yeah. okay? Be careful. You can't be strong in that area and go and test the, yeah. your strength. <laughs> so I think the point is just be very aware. I mean, when I travel, my life is, is very disciplined, you know? I can pack everything in one bag, I know where I'm, where I'm going, I know where we're staying, you know, guys know me, I want to be finished by 9 o'clock back at the hotel, why? Because I want to get up in the morning, I want to go to gym, I want to keep myself healthy, I want to spend time in the Word, and so I have a routine. So a routine is very helpful for me in, a, in, a, in, in that environment. And then just knowing what to stay away of, away from, you know, and we don't go out, we don't go out to clubs, we don't go out to bars, we don't do anything like that. Again, to your point, people know where my value system is. They know that's not what I do, and uh, as a result, the routine makes it very easy for me yeah. to just stay focused on my, my why I'm there. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier about balance, when I go, I, I work m longer hours, yeah. and when I come back, I invest more hours with my family. Yeah. So I really use that time to say, let me get ahead of my work curve. Yeah. Why? So I can bank that time 
and utilize that extra time with my family when I get back. And that's how I approach my, my travel time. Right, okay. So I found the word helps, right? So when one is traveling, you actually have to be purposeful in the degree you dial into the word. Um, so I'm often on my headphones with audio Bible, <laughs> right? Listening to the word, listening to what it says, um, because that way it gives you a focus. In fact, then it becomes a purpose of why you're going there. I find that I get much enlightenment about dreams and what, what one can become when one travels when dialed into the word in that way. Audio Bible is a good thing. I don't have much to add. I mean, I think a mouthful's been said. Um, but yeah, the point on routine resonates with me, you know, that just having a, a rhythm of sorts. And I found I haven't had so many travels outside of, you know, family, etc. But when I did, it was with a big group of people. And I just had to be co with different values and whatnot. And I had to be conscious of my own values in the midst of the busyness and the excitement and the after hours, let's all go for karaoke. I'm like, that's great, but I'm seriously tired, you know? Some evenings I'll go and have dinner with people. That there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just about your own personal, what is weak, yeah, how, yeah, internal compass, mm -hmm. you know, um, to what extent, you know, should you be going out or should you be hanging at the bar or whatever the case may be. For me, if I can just say, the one thing that struck me when I was traveling was, Actually, if I did anything in the States while I was away, Champ would never find out, <laughs> you know? Like, I could have done anything, but the just the conviction of the Holy Spirit to remember who I am, no matter where I am, is just so profound. Yeah. I love that. Who I am, no matter where I am, is very important. In closing, family, I just want to end with this question. I know we've got some students here, but most of our first services are... Uh, people that are working, but I've had meetings with some people who want to re-engineer their lives. Um, you've worked 13 different jobs. People want to re-engineer their lives, whether it's doing a new, uh, furthering their education or doing a new qualification or doing something different. And also for the benefit of our students who are here, how do you re-engineer yourself to still be relevant to the workplace? All right. And two, if you're wanting to pursue a qualification soon, what qualification would, I know that you're shying away from being too prescriptive, and I understand that, but from your personal experience, what, if you were given authority to prescribe, what prescription would you give to someone who wants to do a qualification? What is that qualification that would make them relevant to the workplace currently? Well, I, I resonate very much with this question because I'm in the middle of a transition. <laughs> Right, so I'm known as an economist who's done it quite for a long time, but I needed to do more in life because um, what I've learned, and I, I, I hope someone had told me earlier in my career, right, to say it's good to have one speciality, but that won't sustain you in indefinitely. In this new fourth industrial revolution, it's about multiple skills, not the one core skill that you have. You always have to find something that, that, that's core. But you must reinvent self. Uh, I'm reinventing self into general management. In fact, four, three inventions I'm currently working on. One is general management. Second is, uh, is, 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 is being in strategy. 
and, and third is in risk management, that which is which I think it's up my alleyway in what I'm trained to be, but it's with huge difficulty to administer a transition uh, because some people just only box you into that particular outcome. But you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta seek it, right? You have to diversify your skill set. What kind of degree? What kind of training you do you need to do? I think in the fourth industrial revolution, it's more about the skills that are practical as opposed to academic. So professional qualifications, executive education, I think is what one needs to look at. Do you want to answer this one? So I'll agree 100% with that. I think the other part is when I look at you know what holds people back or what drives them forward is two aspects. It's the, it's the technical ability and their attitude. Yeah, okay. Attitude. And the attitude of which people uh, tackle problems and behave in the workplace, you know. So I can't. I'm not going to go down the alley of, of 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 what kinds of skills you need, but I can tell you that you, that for each of us, our attitudes, how we approach our work, the integrity with which we approach it, the um, the fact that we'll go the extra mile, that we can be reliant on, that we have developing our own business acumen, in terms of problem solving, you know, uh, being able to you know, go, go um, over and beyond what's been asked of us in the workplace. I think these are some of the, the skills and the, and, the, and the behaviors of the heart which separate us. You know, each one of us has got different skills. Each one of us has got different callings, okay? We should not negate what God has placed on our heart and where he's called us to. And how we do it and how we approach it separates us in terms of, you know, the others out there and in terms of um, building and driving our career. It's a good question around transitions or reshaping or re-engineering. I've gone through this several times and it's exciting <laughs> to just, I think for me it's been more um, uh, latched onto what God has been saying in that particular season. So I knew when it was time to transition into business and I had to do some practical things around how to be prepared, do we have to save, do we have to, whatever the case was. So it was latched onto what God was doing particularly for me. Um, but I wanna just reiterate um, Lisiva's point on setting yourself apart. So recently I was in an interview with young graduate, well, students that are looking for finances to you know, go to university and we had like 10 shortlisted candidates and they were all exceptional A students. You know, but what set them apart was the fact that there was something a bit more they were doing outside of their core skill. So there was either just exceptional leadership demonstrated in some other thing, or you know, you spoke about um, the ability to how you your attitude and emotional quotient. I think there's been this has been thrown around quite a bit uh, recently, but there's just something about someone who's a sixty percent. Um, graduate who has exceptional people skills, the ability to relate with people, the ability to communicate and all of that. And I think these executive courses that you know, Gibbs and them offer really are ways that you can meet new people firstly and second, expand your network, um, have a fresh wave of thinking around, wow, I've been doing this for 20 years, but maybe I could do it this way, you know? So I think it's good to invest in 
um, edu further education. It may not be a master's, whatever. It may be a short course that just changes your perspective or gives you new ideas um, and things like that. And it can be gradual as well. It doesn't have to be completely like revolutionary, depending on what God is saying. So, Come on, family. Let's give our panelists a round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Please stand with me as we, as we end the service. And Paul says this to the church in Colossae. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it as though you were doing it for the Lord. So Lord, we pray that the word that we receive today will bear fruit in our lives, in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you that we are changed and equipped people, that as we leave this place, change is going to follow us wherever we go, in Jesus' name. Amen.